Hello, everyone, and welcome to our final Balance and Wellbeing podcast for the year. Um, my name's Sam Eddy, and today we have Katie is normal. How are you, Katie? Good morning, everyone. Good, thank you. It's afternoon. We just hit 12 o'clock. <laughs> it is too, yes. <laughs> uh, right, right on it. Um, so today we're talking about the responsibility of prioritising you and why self-love is not a dirty word. Just a few reminders before we get going. Um, this podcast is recorded, or this webinar is recorded, so you'll get an, a, an email linked to it after the session is completed, so you can listen to it again. Um, also, if you have any questions or thoughts or comments as you hear us speaking, any topics that we're raising, if you've come into this topic, perhaps you've had a look and you've seen and you've liked the topic and you've registered, if you've got any burning questions that you have, feel free to put them in the question box at any time and we'll get to them. If you're happy for us to mention your name, just let us know and um, we look forward to seeing those questions up there. The more, if you have a question, often others are, as is often the case, others are often wanting to ask it. So we'd love to hear, hear your thoughts. So prioritising you, the responsibility of prioritising you, I guess given it's our final podcast for the year, Katie and I were just chatting, weren't we, Katie, before mm. we started today, and we're thinking that this is a really great topic to finish the year on because in order to implement a lot of the stuff we've talked about in terms of well-being, balance in life, we really have to prioritise ourselves in amongst it all, and we have to really be mindful of where we're at on our journey how we're prioritising ourselves mentally, physically, at work and at home, being parents, whatever it may be. So it's really fundamental. And I guess if we can do this as a first step, then the other stuff is a lot easier to do. Absolutely. I don't know what you thought, Katie, initially. Yeah, definitely. And when you were talking then, so I was just thinking, okay, if we if we had an ideal world, I think most of us would go, yeah, I'd love more time to prioritise me and, you know, that wants there. So but let's also explore, well, what gets in the way? And that could be personal for each of us as to what, what gets in the way when you've really felt that you need to initiate certain aspects or be at exercise or looking at your diet or um, having more time with your kids or getting up earlier so that you're not rushed in the morning or getting to bed earlier so that you're not tired when you wake up. So what if we, if we just take a moment to look personally, what, what gets in the way for you? And I'd love to hear more for those that are on the call so we can really break it down because it's fine for us to all talk about um, the aspects that we'd like to improve on or we'd like to have in our week, but if we're not changing the momentum that gets in the way from us achieving that then then it's not actually going to kick into the next level and it's like having those new year's resolutions so to speak um and each year you're back back in it because there hasn't been a momentum of of shifting what's needed so that you're creating more for that relationship of prioritizing yourself in this case um and bringing in and increasing that that self-love factor which has an amazing ripple on effect to anyone who's who's around us and I was, Sam and I were just talking before we went on the call about the stresses in the office that can happen and if someone's, you know, really stressed, often we can put an expectation on ourselves of what we know that person will want so that, you know, it's like right here, what do you want, what do you need? 
you know, committed or, you know, work back late tonight, etc. But is that actually truly going to help if someone's in that stress and if we start going into it ourselves um, so that we look like we're attentive, that's actually not shifting anything and there's nothing better. And I've seen it play out so many times when someone is stressed, if, if someone next to them is keeping calm, is committed to what's actually needed in that point so that they're looking after aspects that help the other person, then um, they have that opportunity to let go of that tension that they're feeling in their body as well. Does that make sense? Totally. And what you just finished with there, Katie, tension in your body, and you asked, obviously, that our um, people listening to let us know what gets in, what, what barriers, mm -hmm. I guess, or problems they experience and stop them prioritising themselves. And I was just reflecting on what what that is for me. And I know, know that adrenaline or the when I feel adrenaline and tension in my body, mm. I'm often acting for other things, for other people, for my business, trying to achieve more, do more, get more. But I'm not, but I sort of lose track of perhaps a bit of purpose and the self-care can go out the window. I, I, and it's not always... And it's not always that I'm necessarily stressed in the negative sense of the word stressed, but I often I get addicted to that adrenaline of achieving, of doing, and mm. wanting to get more. And then it's kind of the flip side, isn't it? If you the more we do that, then of course we have the you know the more we need the adrenaline, we sort of have the the the, the reverse effect when it drops off. We have that lull. And so for me, I know when I'm prioritising myself, I have more of a centred base of peace where confidence is up. I'm really enjoying the processes I'm doing with my business. So if I'm putting together a presentation, if I'm communicating with clients, if I'm working with my coaching clients, I'm really enjoying even the admin or whatever it may be. And I'm not just focused on the doing and getting and achieving. And for me, that that I guess that's a good gauge of where I'm at. If I'm tempted to sort of follow uh, what I guess is is stereotypical in terms of needing more, achieving more, it doesn't feel like I'm prioritising myself necessarily. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I feel that's quite a key factor with um, what you were sharing. If we if we have a look at self worth. Um, overall, just wanted to check: Are we recording this as well um, at the moment, Sam? Yes, yep, we are. Beautiful. Just about to check. Thank you. Yeah, so, no, good idea. with the with the self worth aspect, it's something that often can make us feel a bit icky, um, you know, to feel those those aspects. But it's like where we're not actually feeling our natural worth then we'll be overcompensating with aspects in our day-to-day and -day how we're working. And for me, I could so relate to, like I'm, I'm a hard worker and that's been something from very young. I've put enormous pressure on myself. It didn't come from anyone else to making sure that I contributed, you know, 200%. So that there was no crack or nothing that I hadn't attended to so that no one can come back and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing a good job or if I let the team down, the, the, I, to the best of my ability, I made sure that, that I was just covering everything, etc. So you've got to ask yourself, well, why, why would you be working that way? And at the time it was subconscious, I didn't realise. 
but that leads to the exhaustion and many people drain and burn themselves out doing that anything that's that's got perfectionism coming through it or you know pressure that you're putting on yourself to contribute um, or be a hard worker etc that's all draining and you know it's great for us to kind of crack it open and go okay well what Um, I'm not sure if you can hear me, Katie. You've just cut off. I don't know if it's you or me. You. You're not actually feeling, you know, what, what you need to do um, to give yourself space, etc. Cool, yes. Yeah, sorry, you just cut out before, Katie. I don't know if that was you or me. So um, if anyone's listening, if you can just let us know if you can hear us both clearly, that would be great. Um, can you hear me now, Katie? Yeah, I can. Sorry, I, I didn't realise it had cut out. It's, it's all right. If you just repeat, I got some of it, most of it. If you just talk through again this, the last little bits. Yeah, so I was talking about if if we can have a look at what we're using in our day-to-day -to, -day to make us feel good about ourselves. So in, in my case, it was definitely I put a lot of pressure on myself to work hard and to contribute and um, to make sure that there was no gaps where I felt like I could be letting the team down, et cetera. So when we're, when we're not feeling our true worth, we'll be using things and putting pressure on ourselves to, to, to feel good, basically. And then yes. in that, not allowing the room to feel, you know, the space to prioritise yourself because you're, you're so fixed on you've got to make sure that there's no crack here for them to think that I'm not working hard or I'm not contributing or that I'm not covering things, et cetera. So that, that's what I was offering. No, absolutely. And you made me think of truths. So when you described how you're working hard, you're trying to cover gaps, we're trying to kind of make ourselves bulletproof. I don't know if that was what you meant. That's kind of what I sort of got. We're sort of trying to, you know, make sure that we're, doing everything right and we're not allowing ourselves to be a bit vulnerable or the whole idea of vulnerabilities at least early on in our lives can be something that we want to avoid we want to be able to do everything that we can and i, I just was thinking about truths then in terms of the truths that we learn early on so if we see perhaps as a teenager in university whatever it may be going into the workforce working hard is a good quality, you must be conscientious, you must work hard. I'm not saying there's some good elements to that, but if it is a hard truth, that then links to, I think, what you, you talked about self-worth before, Katie, links to self-worth, then that can start to make us a bit rigid. And yeah. these things then can start to be really unhelpful and we stick to these truths until something perhaps goes wrong or we hit a crisis and we're forced to go, hang on, does this, do these things really serve me anymore? Yeah. And then what also happens with that is um, if we look at parenting overall is that those characteristics that you champion, that you don't even realise you're champion, championing, um, tend to then have a flavour that your kids will look at and go, well, working really hard in the way that we're talking about, we're not talking about a true way. We're talking about a way where you're putting expectations on yourselves of a way you feel you need to be every day to be contributing, et cetera. And then we're actually burning ourselves out because we're not sensing when enough is enough. 
we're not sensing with, with a project, okay, what's needed here, how much work's needed here. It'll be going over things. It'll be checking things unnecessarily, so to speak, just to make sure that it's all covered rather than being present in the moment, feeling what's needed in that project and offering it. And, um, you know, especially in relation to being role models with our kids, they'll pick up those things that we, we value. So it's not a, not a criticism in any way. It's just a great reflection opportunity to go, okay, well, what are those things in my day-to-day that are getting in the way of me having more space for myself and prioritising myself? Are there aspects that maybe I am overdoing it a bit? Or it could be that you're underdoing it because that's the same thing. It's the same kind of sabotage. If, if you leave things to the last minute or you know a report's due and you just go, oh, just, yeah, I really don't feel like starting that now. I'll start it tomorrow or, um, you know, kind of procrastinating a bit. That, that's the same thing. It's like the flip side of it. So it's just looking at how can, how can I be more effective in my day in a true way so that I'm actually going to have more space to prioritise some of the things that are really important to me. Yeah, I love it. Um, that procrastination is often stress fueled or anxiety fueled, isn't it? We sometimes it can be to do with perfectionism too, that we're trying to get everything so right, or we have that feeling that if I don't get everything just perfect, or this report is not completed to perfection, or if it's not received well, then that will impact who I am. And so therefore the procrastination comes in because we just don't want to do it because we're afraid that we won't we won't get it right. So we just so it's, sometimes it's easier to avoid it. And often we can feel in ourselves the tension that's kind of brewing under that. And it doesn't feel good. The procrastination never feels good. Mm. And so then we can move to avoidance. So they're good reminders, aren't they? That if we're engaging yeah. in that behaviour, it's like, oh, okay, well, this is an opportunity to go, well, why am I doing that? Trying to disconnect your self-worth from these specific outcomes and try and you know just do little by, bit by bit break it down start something here start something there enjoy the journey a bit more and it's like well what are your flavors and, and some people exactly as you're saying before it may be just used to that adrenaline too and then you've got to actually go you know what no I, d- I don't need to be going to my nervous system that way I'm on time I've got what I need here and just having that, because these are the habits that we've had that have formed from, from very young. And as I said, often a lot of it is actually mirrored by your circumstance around you, be that, you know, how our parents used to operate or if there was a lot of uncertainty at the time or if we lived with someone who was quite anxious, you know, those, those aspects can rub off and we don't even realise we're doing it a lot of the time. So, you know, having a conversation like this to go, okay, yeah, what, what's not serving me now? What, what are the areas that I, I know I'm putting pressure on myself or what are the areas where I'm, I haven't addressed, such as that procrastination aspect that I haven't addressed that then puts pressure on me and uh, requires a lot of time to complete. So it could be even as simple with your tax, you know, having all your dockets, et cetera, and having them in a folder. Oh, yes, tax. You know, it's that easy to get to, exactly. You know, I hear this and I've got a friend and every year she's like, this year I'm going to do it different. Actually, this year she did and she got a dividing file and, and she had all of the tax all allocated throughout the year and said, oh, my gosh, that was so different. So it's just it's so interesting to see how we, we do actually know what supports us, but we've, we've got that side of us that doesn't necessarily want to do it. And then you've got the other side that's like, come on, you know, let, let's get this sorted. 
And for me, admin, like I'll have lots of paper on my desk and there'll be ordered piles, but it still doesn't support having that sitting there. So, yeah, mine was to make sure I file and, and to have it. And it was just amazing to fill the space. It created something so simple, but it made yes. such a difference. And then that had a ripple-on effect into so many other areas. And I'm thinking it's amazing how we focus on the bigger things and not realise how the smaller things have such an impact on creating space in your day. Yes, absolutely. I, I often find myself, if I'm the more present I am, being mindful, so I guess by default I'm prioritising myself, mm. I am able to then do those small tasks. Mm. I'm able to be aware of, of just if there's any tension in my body that forces me to rush or to avoid or to, you know, put things off. If I'm aware of it, the more present I am, if life's, if I've slowed life down a bit, doesn't mean I'm working less per se, but I'm just having my downtime, I'm perhaps doing my meditation, I'm being mindful, I'm making sure I'm doing my exercise. If I'm doing all that, then I'm more, have more present moment awareness. And so therefore, if there is a, just say the mail comes in, the reason why I'm talking about this is because you mentioned <laughs> filing and it just resonated with me. If the mail comes in, I'm going, okay, I'm just going to open each letter and then I'm just going to walk slowly, get the file, my filing kind of wallet out, if you like. I'm just going to put each one away. I'm going to deal with it. If there's a bill to be paid, I'll log in, I'll find the details, and I'll pay it. But I'm not thinking about, oh, gosh, I've got to file all these letters. I've got to pay the bills. What if I don't pay the bills? So I mean, it's a really different experience when you're able to be really present, do things little by little, and then it's done. And if it's a small part of a bigger project, then you've already moved forward. And you can actually quite, it's almost like you can enjoy the process because I'm enjoying being in my home, slowly opening the mail, you know, um, whatever I'm doing. I can just still be present and enjoy the moment I'm in. And it takes all the anxiety and the stress off when we're trying to do things. We're just trying to get it done. We're so focused on having the bill paid that we're adding all this tension in, for example, or, you know, we're just trying to get the taxes done that we rush it, it all feels too hard, and then we stop it. So I, I love what you're saying about, you know, just being a bit more organised, <laughs> focusing on the little tasks and, and, and doing them with present moment awareness. Yeah, and then often people could say, I'm just too busy, I'm, I'll deal with it later, I'm too busy. And look, there are times when legitimately we won't have the space and it's best to wait till the next day. But it's like, aren't we too busy not to bring this level of detail and care to ourselves so that we can feel less overwhelmed? Because it just otherwise it adds up, adds up, adds up, adds up. And then it's like the tax situation where, you know, people can often go, oh, that's just so big, and then put it off, put it off, put it off until they know they absolutely have to do it. And that, that's just one example. But it's really worth experimenting and having a play with it. And um it's like my computer, I have a lot on my desktop because I've got a lot of projects that I'm working on, but then looking at my desktop, that can get overwhelming. So I actually said, no, I'm going to start filing it. I'm going to start closing these files. And then when the computer opens up and it's fresh and there's a clear screen there, I just went, wow, that feels so much better. But I didn't realise. I thought it was working for me the other way. But it actually, yeah, there was an order that was being called for, which can be really beautifully supportive. It's different if we use it as a control and, you know, get a bit obsessive about things and then not actually 
being um, using that to make yourself feel better at the end of the day versus actually that supports me. It's, it's just a different way of working with yourself so that you can cope with it. If you can't get to it that day, it's not going to affect you um, versus needing it to be a certain way so that you feel okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just made me think of something around you said if you're often we're too busy to actually say, you know, commence a task. And that's true, but it just made me think often if we apply the same principle. So if we realize actually we are too busy, but often we might go, I'm too busy, so I'm just going to look at it tomorrow or the next day. But trying to kind of do that with also with the present moment awareness. So you're kind of going, yeah, actually, look, I am too busy today. I'm going to fully let it go for now, not hold on to it in my head or mentally. Mm. And then I'm going to, you know, diarise it for tomorrow. So you're still kind of, even when you decide not to do something, you're still doing it with present moment awareness. And I think that whole thing is, it just flows through to everything you do, small tasks, large tasks, large tasks. If you're, if you just say you, you know, if it's coming up to, last week or two weeks of tax time and you've got to get the tax done and you realise you haven't done anything, if you still acknowledge, okay, yes, the things I could have done, but it's okay, I didn't do them, I'm still going to attack this large piece of work little by little. I'm just going to get started and do what I can. So you can apply it no matter what situation you're in. Even if you've realised you haven't been particularly present or you haven't prioritise yourself and you've avoided things, once we get awareness of it and if we value the power of being fully present and not adding all the what-if scenarios and causing ourselves more tension, then we can still also tackle the big stuff and the problems that we have to solve, but without all the angst that often goes with it. It's such a powerful tool. Definitely. And once you start being really honest with yourself this way, it might be a little bit overwhelming because you can go, oh, yeah, look, I really want to organise my kitchen or every time I open those cupboards it's just like not organised or, you know, just the kids' area seems like it's just increasing and the toys throughout the house, etc. Or it could be at work with aspects that you know need attention that haven't had the attention and you haven't been on, on top of it and then it feels like it's all getting a bit overwhelming. That's okay. What's great is, one, you're assessing the areas that are causing you stress and are then not allowing you the space to prioritise yourself more. So that's great. So that's kind of the first step. But then the mm. next bit is not to get overwhelmed at the what can feel the, the hugeness if there's a lot there. That doesn't matter. The fact is you've, you've addressed it, you've got a bit of plan for yourself and then it could be just each day or each week, depending on how big it is or um, just saying, okay, this is what I'm going to tackle now, just this one aspect, and it might be clearing your desktop off. It might be just that. And then feeling how that feels for you when you do it and then seeing how the difference is. Or it could be I'm going to do the administration at home or I'm going to clean up the study and clear the study and have it in an order that actually supports me. Because when you think about it, we're evolving all the time. Our situations are changing all the time. Your jobs are changing. One role might not be as demanding. You might get a promotion and then that role is requiring different things of you. So, therefore, we've got to look at our life at home in the same sense. If we're just staying stagnant, so to speak, and just doing the same thing that we do over and over, how does that then support us 
when what we're actually doing, what's happening in the family, what's happening in our relationship is constantly changing um, and evolving and having to deal with different things. So then we've got to also go, I can't be, um, you know, rigid in, in the aspects at home as well. I've got to look at well, what's needed in the family as the kids' ages are changing, etc. They're able to then support more. So am I just doing the things I normally do kind of robotically or great opportunity for the family or dad's just got a promotion so we're going to support him a little bit more as he adjusts to this new role. He won't be taking out the bin each week. Ryan, you can take the bin out each week. Actually, Jessica's got a huge assignment on this week. So as a family, how can we support with the um, chores that are required, et cetera? So working more as a unit together because when we do that, it helps each other kind of increase their awareness of working as a team. But then also as parents, if we've got children, it helps us to have more space for ourselves as well. And in doing that, we're going to feel better. So that enriches our relationships. I'm just using parenting as one example, but that's exactly the same if we don't have kids or if we're caring for people um, or even if we're living by ourselves, just to go, what's on my week? What have I committed to? Therefore, what needs to adjust in how I am with myself and when I'm going to bed, when I'm getting up in the morning, my rhythm in my day-to-day, -day, what's needed with that so that I'm supported with what's on this week as well. Yeah, I love it. I think that's you're going to the, the dynamic world in which we live where things constantly change, which requires us to really reassess how we do things on a practical level. As you say, supporting people differently when they've got increased workloads, um, when kids are busy, parents are busy, partners busy, are really adjusting. And I guess that really, again, requires that present moment awareness. I wonder, um, as a foundation for that, I often talk about with a lot of clients that we need anchors in our life to try to really bring us back into the moment. So we're slowing mm -hmm. down to then become aware of our bodies, how we're, how tense we are or aren't, having time to get out of our own head to go, actually, yeah, I didn't realise my partner's been a bit stressed. Maybe they're busier. Okay, I'm going to see what I can do to support them. Oh, actually, I'm a bit stressed. I'm going to maybe ask for a bit of help. So I think as advice for people listening, anchors are really important. So anchors could be having someone to talk to once a month, whatever's going on for you. If there's high stress in your life, you might want to make it more frequent. It could be a professional, it could be a coach, it could be a trusted friend, someone who's going to listen without judgment. Um, these, the, the programs we do once a month are a good way to take time out of, if you're at work or listening at work at lunch, just to reconnect with yourself. We're always talking about self-care at some point. Usually that's the thing we come back to because we need the constant reminder when life gets really, really busy, we're on the treadmill of life, it's very hard to then um, see the wood through the trees, particularly within our own lives. Often the stress builds back up. We might make one change, but sometimes we can be a little bit rigid. I've made that change and so why isn't the stress gone away or why aren't I prioritising myself more? So it's that constant setting up anchors in your life so that you're really enjoying that time to slow down and talk and assess. It's not, it shouldn't be a chore. It could be exercise. That could be part of an anchor, you know, your weekly exercise routines and weekly meditation routine. But it does need to be regular and it's something we need to commit to so that we can really pull ourselves out of the, the busy world in which we're in. I wonder for those listening, you know, do you have anchors that you use to really help prioritise yourself? 
Um, if you don't or you're struggling, what are the things that uh, are the barriers that stop you from prioritizing yourself? Um, do you are you able to enact self-love? And we've got a good question on this already. I think we put in the I put in the opening that self-love is not a dirty word, but I think a lot of us still think it is, or there's a perception that it is. And we've got a great question here, and Katie keen to get your thoughts on it. Um, the question is, and thank you for this. I sometimes I sometimes in confusion that self-love is selfish. If I leave myself my own time to do the things I love without my kids, I feel a bit sorry or a bit, I guess a bit hard. Uh, it feels a bit hard. How can I overcome this kind of feeling? That's such an awesome question. I'm so glad that it's been brought through forward because it, if we look at society, that's exactly, and especially, you know, well, now actually it's, it's the same with men and women um, as we're sharing dual roles of care, caregiving, etc. Um, and I hear forward to hear more women talking about that aspect and um, you know the perceive what it is to be caring for someone else at the extent of yourself etc but you know what there is nothing about self-care and self-love that is selfish because it's like if you've got a glass and you're offering someone someone's really thirsty but if you're not putting the water in that glass what are you actually offering them or if you've only got a little bit at the bottom of the glass but they're really thirsty, that's not going to do the trick. So it's the same with us. We're going to make sure we're filling our glass up so that we actually have something to offer. So this, this perception that's out there, it's, it's actually completely the opposite. Now, there's a difference here between someone that's self-absorbed and, and completely self-focused yes. that, that, that's totally different but what we're talking about is self-love and self-care and what happens is you can see people that are in that state of being totally self-absorbed but that's just a protection anyway they're just obviously being hurt by different things or to feel let down by people so they go into that self-focus that's a that's a preservation and for us not to see that and then react and go well I don't want to be like that I want people to like me, etc. But that aspect of wanting to be liked, what at what extent? And you can never please anyone anyway. So people will have expectations of us that they want to be, you know, that they want us to feel because they're not actually self-loving, self-caring and looking after themselves. So are we going to feed that or are we going to go, you know what, taking care of myself, being um, um, having a self-love component to my day-to-day is actually completely taking responsibility so that I've got what my kids need so that I'm not left ragged and exhausted or resenting my family because that's what will happen if we're not looking yes. after ourselves, creating space, prioritising, we will get resentful because your body ends up going, you've got nothing left. That's so true. I love how you're expressing that. Um because we can't really <laughs> um, no. you know, love if or, or love others properly if we're running ourselves ragged. I yeah. think that they're great comments. I, I was going to say um, too that love is loving your kids or your kids knowing that their love doesn't necessarily only happen when you're present. And mm -hmm. it kind of goes to what you're saying, Katie. So if your daughter, son, sees you going to the gym to look after yourself and you've explained, look, it's important for me to go and 
um, keep myself fit and healthy um, because I have more energy to play with you, to do this for work, I'm always happier. And that's expressing love in a different way. And so even though you might be absent for a short period of time, it doesn't mean they're not getting the love that you're doing. You're leading by example. You're showing how to self-care for yourself. And that's going to be going to rub off on your kids as well so that they're more likely to then do those things because they're seeing you doing it with positivity. They're embracing yourself. They're, you're seeing, they're seeing you put yourself first and they'll do that for themselves, which is really important. And it's it's not selfish. It's not being self-absorbed. You're doing it with love and it will then mean that the quality of time you have together is better because, as you know, Katie, you were saying, energy's up. You, you're, you're not running yourself ragged. Um, and we've just got a comment that, um, you know, Katie, your answer has really resonated. So that's great. So thank you for the question. Yeah, look, um, kids are, I just wanted to add in with what you were saying. Kids are far more affected by our state of being than they are by anything else. So we may have had a really bad day at work and then we think we're covering it up, etc. They can smell it. They know us. They know who we are and they know when something's off or something's wrong. So the best thing is to try not to cover up and to say, yep, I've had a hard day. I'm, you know, I might be a bit snappy. I'm sorry. You know, it's my stuff and I'm working with it versus trying to put on the face that we feel we need to be in front of our kids. What that also allows them is to be vulnerable within themselves and to be true within themselves and not put an expectation on themselves, which is draining. So, you know, often we parent the hard way. We parent by what we think we should be doing versus, hey, if I'm just real and the more I can be real in that, that's the best role model for my kids because it gives them the opportunity to be honest and true with themselves um, rather than going into the habits that we might have taken on in life as well. So there's nothing more than what kids value is, is that honesty and that truth and, um, you know, also knowing that no one's perfect and we make mistakes and that's okay because that allows them to have a more healthy relationship with their mistakes and see them as real growth opportunities and real opportunities to learn as well. Yes, indeed. Um, look, it's, uh, I mean, the thing I was also going to mention before, I think when we talked, when we mentioned self-love was where does it, where does, where does the idea that it's a dirty word come from? And I was just wondering, is it to do with that sort of tall poppy syndrome? that confusion, and you sort of mentioned it when you're being self-absorbed, the confusion with arrogance or being, you know, up yourself, for want of a better word, mm. to use unsophisticated mm. language. But um, that sense of we can't really, it's, we're not really supposed to talk ourselves up, which yeah. I sort of understand in one aspect, but I think it's perhaps probably damaging to a certain extent because often if we're paid compliments, or we're singled out, oh, you did that really well, that was really great. Often the first reaction is to go, oh, no, no, it wasn't me. Oh, that's just normal. Anyone would do that. Um, that's okay. No, or, or if we hear us, if we're asked to speak in public, <laughs> if we hear ourselves speaking on a recording like we're doing now, whatever it may be, we kind of tend to shy away from it, don't we? We, we have that that aspect of oh I don't want to I don't I'm not doing that very well the idea of being we must be humble um, we must be not too arrogant I think it really confuses and has really perhaps in inhibited a lot of people really wanting to express self love and 
and really enjoy their successes and really enjoy their strengths because I think that is, is so important. The more confident and happy we are, that allows us to prioritise ourselves and everyone else around us is happy. So I don't know what you think, Katie, but mm. that was what came to me in terms of how it did become a dirty word. Yeah, definitely. And then a lot of what you're saying brings us back to the comment when we were um, first meeting was is self-worth. So why is it for one person they can be totally comfortable with um, prioritising themselves and, and self-love and then another person, oh, I couldn't do that or to judge other people for it, that's just indulgent. But really when people say that, it's just that they're not comfortable with that aspect within themselves. Because if, if, if we were valuing that and valuing ourselves, we'd know that it's actually taking responsibility. We'd know that, hey, you know what, I love people too much to not prioritise myself and what I know I need to do for myself because then I'm offering them less. So if I'm not getting, you know, sometimes we have late nights and we've all got to work with it and I'm not talking about that, but generally if you find you're sabotaging yourself at night, you're just wanting to check out in front of TV or go on social media and then suddenly it's two hours later and it's 11.30 and you wanted to be in bed by 9 or 9.30. So that kind of thing like that, that to me I'm realising when I do that, that's selfish because I know what I need to do to be optimal the next day. And if I'm not, then I'm offering less to everyone else. So it's the same thing if you have had a project on um, or the work's been more demanding and if you haven't been able to go to the gym for two weeks and you really enjoy doing that, then, then it's taking stock and going, okay, it's not as intense at work this week or even if it is intense, I know that this week I've got to make sure I go to the gym two or three times because I'm feeling I'm not quite me. I'm not quite, you know, juiced up, so to speak, so that you've – you're, you're present with the kids the way you want to be or in meetings or whatever it happens to be. And another aspect is, you know, we can really feel time poor. Um, so with the comment before when we said, oh, I feel guilty that I've been at work all day and, and then if I go to the gym, that's half an hour less or an hour less I'll have with the kids. But it's not about the quality of time that we are spending with the kids. It's about, it's about the connection. And, yeah, we're not going to abuse that. So there is a certain amount of time that we do need to spend together, absolutely, and we're not talking about that. But in relation to if you really know that you're going to feel better after going for a walk after work and it's only going to be half an hour, then isn't that better than when you come home and you walk in the door and you connect with your kids that you're actually going to be present with them and you're actually, when you're talking to them, you're going to be listening and you're going to be responding because, again, kids know the moment you're just going, oh, yeah, how was your day, but you're not really interested or you're thinking about the million of emails you've got to respond to, you're not present, they, they smell that. They'd much prefer half an hour with you that you're there and you're giving them that focus than three hours where you're preoccupied with everything else you're thinking you should be doing but you're sitting on the floor playing a game, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. Um... And uh, I, I guess a lot of what you're saying then, it comes back to presence, doesn't it? Being really present so that we know if, if our, our mind's very clever and it's sort of like, oh, no, you need to prioritise yourself, but then you might actually be really <laughs> being a bit cheeky and kind of escaping. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It's, kind of, it's really when you're really being present. I know I've done that. I've, I've kind of used this whole, oh, I'm self-loving here. Um, you know, go and have too few, a few too many drinks or whatever it is. So it's it's a it's a, it's how 
how we can maintain that conscious awareness. And I was just going to ask you, Katie, what you think in terms of practical ways to do. I talked about anchors, but I'm just keen to know what, what you advise people to do to, to really be present um, day to day. But I was also going to ask, just before we talk about that, just ask, I think we've got about 22 people online with us, you know, what is it you're doing um, for self-love? Again, are you struggling to do it? What, what what's getting in your way where do you think self-love or how do you think self-love became a dirty word or maybe you don't think it is a dirty word keen to hear your thoughts mm. also um it is our last seminar for the year if you've been listening to our other ones would love would love to hear you hear what topics you want to hear more of for next year what you want to hear um what, what resonated for you this year what we didn't cover that you wanted to find out about so any comments um, if you're listening to this recording on a recording, um, please um, send us an email email at info at dot But also, if you're listening now, I'd love to hear your comments now, and, and we'll sort of read them out to the to the rest of the people online. Um, but yeah, Katie, what, what what is a way into presence that you recommend for people? I suppose when I wake up in the morning, that's a great opportunity just to have a sense of where you're actually at. So when I say that, quite often people can wake up feeling anxious about the day before they've even started their day or they can be in the shower not realising, hang on, have I just washed my arm or not or have I washed both my arms or where am I up to? And that's just so telling because it's like if we're not, if we're actually in the shower uh, and, and we're not aware of that stuff, where have we been? And so often you start to realise that our minds are so jam-packed. Yeah, it's like, or you've, you've put the shampoo on your hair and then it's like, hang on, have I yep. shampooed or conditioner? Where am I up to? Yeah. What's going on? And you're just to go, well, that is telling. If that is happening, that is telling. Or have I have I moisturised that bit? Or, you know, so, so things like that are really great to first, when you wake up in the morning, just... You know, sensing, am I feeling a bit anxious or, or you know, where am I at? Or if you're already starting to think about what you're wanting to cook for dinner or what you need to do, then it's like, hey, stop. I've just woken up. Let's just have a moment's pause here and then think about what what you feel like wearing on your body for the day, what, what you're going to be doing that day, you know, for you, not just I've got this meeting, I should dress this way or I've got this happening at work, I should, you know, dress that way. What colour do you feel like having on today? Is it, you know, is it a bit breezy? Do you need to put another layer on or not? So those aspects really help to bring you back to your body. So again, you're caring for your body, you're prioritising you. You're not just going into the practicalities, but you're actually bringing a level of nurturing that is really lovely. And that same goes with how are you feeling to eat that day? Have you got leftover um, dinner that you could take, which means you don't have to prepare that morning? Or are you feeling like something lighter that day? So it's just considering what your options are to support you in your day. And then you can just approach things like that rather than what we often do is going into the remote control, robotic sense of just every day, this is what I do. I, I do this, I brush my teeth then and I have breakfast then and then I'm out the door. It's actually, yeah, what, what am I feeling this morning? I've got the same amount of time, but what, what's needed today? And then building from there. That's a very simple um, overview of, of mm, simple, what many of you. Mm. So, what about you, Sam? What 
Look, it just made me think. I think that shower thing is classic because often I do my thinking in the shower, but yeah. I also realise I need to be more present because it is a time for relaxation. Yeah. Even if it's a quick one, it's um, I think it, it it those simple things that you mentioned are real signals of where you're at when your mind escapes to some other place. Who knows where it is? Um, there's such good reminders. I know for me. I do a lot of mindfulness meditation. I listen to guided meditations. I know if I'm not doing that, then I'm more likely to then get in the shower and my head somewhere else. So it's a real being aware of, of where you're at. So those those day-to-day things then remind me, oh, hang on, I haven't been then doing my meditation, for example. That's something that just personally works for me. But I love what you're saying about those everyday things that then are a reminder for you to you know bring yourself back to the present moment. I think it's... It's great. And while you've been talking, we've got a few comments, really. And there's a really great comment here um, and a really honest one, I think. And I'll just read it out. Um, The comment is, I feel guilty to have self-love, but just as terrible is that I judge my wife who recognises self-love and tries to her best to have some me time. Each time I hear this, I will judge her and label that she is not pulling her weight. This conversation has just highlighted it to me. So, look, can I say thank you for sharing that? Because, you know, my hand up here that we all judge, we all blame sometimes. And so it's so powerful that you've realised that you for yourself have felt guilt around self-love. And, of course, if you're feeling guilt about it, it's very hard to accept it as someone else is expressing it. So, you know, what a great comment. I'm sure it will resonate with a lot of people and... I'm just really pleased that, that this conversation has helped you see the importance of self-love for yourself and then obviously also for your wife. I think that's a, that's you know, so a really awesome. acknowledgement, yeah. Yeah, and then also what, what we can do in that, because, yeah, I, I used to um, <laughs> do that. This is quite a while ago now, but uh, it makes me cringe when I think about it because the poor guy. <laughs> but with my husband, yeah, he'd be going, he'd go, I just need to sit down and have a cup of tea now. And I'd be like, Come on, we've got all this work to do. We've got to get on with it. We don't have time for coffee now. Like, really? And then I'd be thinking, no, now I've got to do more. Whereas he was honouring himself at that stage and he just felt I need to have a rest, etc. And that's where it's great. We can react to it. But if we're reacting, if we've got an ounce of reaction, it's because we don't want to feel what's being offered to us. You know, so that's so, so cool that you've done that. But how about we also look at, okay, practicalities of life if we've got so much time etc how can we also have me time together and then that brings a really beautiful aspect to your relationship or your family that actually you know if the kids are at a stage where they're little and they need to be in the pram you can still go for a really lovely walk together or you could go with your husband and if you feel like having a bit of a run someone can look after the kids in the park while you're doing that and you're having your what's important to you but you're also doing it as a family and then having that time together or as a couple it could be that you might love playing golf um well let's get a babysitter in and let's have a day together where where we've got that or a few hours together where we've got that and then you come back to the family and you're feeling a bit more recharged so me me time doesn't have to be in isolation um so it's just seeing well yeah how, how can we share that and then what are the aspects where i actually do need a bit of space to myself Yes, I love that the idea that the um, self-love and giving time to yourself, as you say, doesn't have to be on your own necessarily. That's so true. I think 
the more ways, the different ways into self-care, self-love, giving time for yourself, the more different ways into it, then the more options we have. And it's funny you talked about, it's funny we've had it like clearly being in a relationship or how to balance this with your partner is something that's on people's mind because we've had another few comments around that. And the comments are that I think it's difficult between a couple to find that balance. Personally, I, I have personal exercise I do, but sometimes um, it, sometimes I come back, it comes back on me because my husband doesn't get the same amount of time, mm. but I know it makes me a better person to do it. So it's funny, isn't it? We're all, yeah. I think we so, see that. So let's try and support each other with that. You know, let, mm. let's, let's go, you know what? Yes, I value that. I know how that supports. So how about, you know, if you're feeling there's not an equality there, then let's support our partners so that they have that too. Because from what I've seen, it just takes your relationship to a whole new level. So even though we might have to, you know, deal with things and shift responsibilities or chores, et cetera, it, if, if everyone's feeling that they have what they need and they're feeling more self-care, self-love, then how can it not be more loving than in our relationships? Yes, absolutely. And I think, I don't know, I'm just getting the sense too that because we, I guess if we're considering this time that we've all got today as a bit of an anchor or time out to reflect, I think I sense that people's judgments are receding. I know mine do when I'm in this space where we're talking consciously, we're looking at self-awareness, but we're not judging as much. And I think when we're really busy, we're rushing home from work, rushing to drop kids off or pick them up from childcare to sport, whatever it may be, or we're just busy socially and we've got no time. A short word here from your partner, one there, we tend to judge more and I can see if you see you know, a partner taking time out for themselves, you're more likely to be in that judgment mode. Oh, well, come on, there's this other stuff we need to be doing as you talked about, Katie, or, um, you know, it's selfish to be looking after you know, to taking this time out when we should be with the kids or doing X, Y, and Z. So I think it just really came to me then that this, the more we can use anchors in our life, have these discussions, have communication, whether it be going out for dinner with your partner and then and at dinner talking about self-care. What do you need to to do to prioritise yourself? I was listening to this podcast and it really resonated. Hopefully it did. <laughs> If I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you know, and we, and I realise the benefit of it now, and how can I support you in that? And this is what I want to do for me. It, it seems when we slow down, take the time to talk about these things openly, without really a specific end goal. When it's just an open conversation, a lot of the judgment drops away, and then we can really see what's important for ourselves and for for the other person. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It brings the clarity. It's yeah. like having a, a step back and then just observing things afresh as well. And, um, it, yeah, it brings a kind of allows you just to be a bit more vulnerable and a bit more humble in that process too. And, and we can get a, a kind of protection can go up in our relationships if we're feeling stressed at work and if we're feeling a bit time poor, et cetera, and then to be a bit more snappy with each other versus, you know what, the more I support myself, the more I can actually support my partner. And the more we can enjoy our time together. Yeah, and it reflects in you know it reflects in the workplace as well. And when you get to work and you're 
prioritizing yourself, you're prioritizing your partner, um, and you know that your partner's happy, it, it all flows into work. If you're sort of these searing, these little tensions that are niggling away, they come into the workplace too because we can't necessarily get them out of our head. They increase tension on the nervous system. We get it, we're perhaps a bit more tired. We don't necessarily sleep as well. We're not relaxed, as relaxed in our own home. So it really does have flow-on effects to kind yeah. of every, all aspects of our life and we can't always see it in the moment. Mm-hmm. So look, it's, I guess it's just another reason to try and prioritise it. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, we've just, got, we've just got a, one comment here and I guess when we talked before about self-love being a dirty word and um, I mentioned not accepting compliments um, or how we refrain from it, uh, we've actually got a, a lovely um, message here which I'll read out, Katie, and it's um, the comment is, uh, love listening to you both every month. You provide great insight and help provide us with tools to put things in perspective and offer some time for self-reflection improvement. Very worthwhile spending an hour of my time listening to your podcasts. So thank you for that comment. Um, it's nice to hear your feedback. Um, you know, Always welcome more and you know, just really glad that you found the time worthwhile. It's, you know, This is sort of work in inverted commas for us, I guess, but I always enjoy it. And Katie, we often mm. message each other that we you know, love you know we have a great conversation, don't we? Yeah, yeah and love, love your feedback and love, you know, talking about the things in life that, that really are impacting us and, you know, the fact that you're putting this time aside to do that is hugely, you know, it's an investment in yourself and learning from each other and what we all offer, um, the, the questions of gold and, and help expand things as well. But what I find too, it gives you a stop moment um, and often you can just feel your body before you come in and, and this is one offering these talks and there are other things that are offered to people but then just at the end of it it's great just to check and go well how is the tension in my body am I actually feeling better than when we started so that in itself shows the effect of what we're talking about and that it is it is contagious because if you're given a platform where there isn't that judgment and you're given a platform to of true support then you can feel how even just in an hour or 20 minutes, just by connecting with each other the way that we are, how beneficial that is. So that then also blows out of the water. How can taking care of yourself and being self-love be um, selfish? It's not. We've felt the benefit and your comment exactly confirms the benefit. And that's just a once a month, one hour opportunity um, so it, it's not uncommon when you start to shift and you start to really prioritise what you know is true to you and what you need. Reactions will come up in others or can come up in others, but that's a good thing because you're reflecting to them what they're not offering themselves. So don't take it personally. Address what's needed or if you feel to say something or if you feel just to keep doing what you're doing and then play with it yourself and see. See what works for you. What works for some person, one person might be different to another, um, but that's that's a great confirmation of what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, a great way to finish off. Really, um, you know, we've got five minutes left, but I think, you know, for me, I think that was a great conversation. Give people a few minutes back in their diary just to do nothing, <laughs> if you like. Um, but look, 
I just wanted to finish up and say thanks to everyone for um, being attending each week, for being online, for participating. We love hearing your thoughts, your comments, questions. As I said, if you've got any thoughts about topics for next year, we're still locking that down. I think the first one will be in February. So check your emails and make sure you register for each and every session. You have to do that each time. Um, but so if you do have any suggestions for next year, feel free to send us an email at info at parentsatwork.com.au. And obviously look forward to and hope you join us again next year. Katie, is there anything else that you yeah, want to say? So thank you for the contributions and for giving yourself this space. That's um, that's really awesome. And yeah, in, enjoy. And we look forward to connecting back again next year. Absolutely. Great. We'll see you all next year. Yeah, see you then. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Sam. Bye for now. Thanks. Bye.